All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vic Raya, and today I have an amazing person, Xander Fryer. This is a person who has rocked it from multiple stages. He has a, 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 an amazing book, Shit You Don't Learn in College. He has a podcast, the same name. He's been featured in Time, Forbes, TEDx. He's coached over 50,000 people in 27 different countries and more than 700 organizations. This guy is the real phenom, guys. And we're going to talk about everything, everything under the sun. We're going to talk about the five freedoms. We're going to talk about his origin story. And he's going to tell you exactly what it takes to be a high performer and really create the life of your dreams. So let's get right into it. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high-achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to up-level their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. Xander, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And, you know, in the green room, we're talking about you know, the kind of life you live and the kind of life, you know, we're all trying to create. And it's amazing. You're like, I love San Diego, but I want to go move to Costa Rica. Yeah. Explain that one. Oh, man. Well, uh, my wife and I went down to Costa Rica at some point last year. And just fell in love. I always tell people like, you know, when you go places and you're like, man, it'd be so cool to live here, but, and there's always an excuse. There's always a reason you can't do it. And we were, we, you know, we've been all over the world and we went down to Costa Rica and we were like, man, it'd be really cool to live here. And then there was no, but, and we're like, oh shit. <laughs> like we're actually going to have to consider this, aren't we? And we started to go down the path. And the more that we looked into it, you know, it's a beautiful place. Um, like we're big beach people and big, uh, um, uh, outdoors people. So, uh, you know, we, we looked in some beautiful spots down there. Um, it's got great community. It's got great, uh, great health and wellness, great education systems. We're going to raise a family down there. You know, people think Costa Rica, they think third world country, maybe sometimes they compare it to like Mexico might be a little bit dangerous. It's actually incredibly safe, great healthcare oh, yeah. system, great, great education system, great infrastructure. Uh, so we just loved it. And then obviously yes. for us, there's a, there's some, some good tax benefits as well for, for heading <laughs> yeah, there's down tons there. Of, there's tons of expats out there as well. And tons and of expats. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful resorts, wellness retreats, 
hotels. I mean, it, it's a, it's an amazing place. So I'm yeah. Let's yeah. let's put it this way: we're we're yeah. we're gonna move down there in a couple of months, and we're gonna be renting at first. Um, but we're gonna be looking to buy a plot of land and build a home. And based on our calculations, we'll be able to like buy land and build a home, like beautiful beach house overlooking the ocean, like our dream home that we'll never want to leave in tax savings oh from the God. next from the next two to three years. That's that's, awesome. that's that's the way that I like to look at it. So that's awesome. But let's get right into it, Xander. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know Xander's story, it's 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 a compelling one. But how is it that you walked away from a dream life to build the legendary life you live now? Yeah. That's a great question. I think um, so. It's a little bit of a background. I used to work at Cisco Systems. I was a systems architect. I had uh, honestly, I had what everybody told me was success when I was in my mid to late twenties. I I uh, was making about a quarter million dollars a year at Cisco as a systems architect. I was designing networks for companies like Disney, Facebook, LinkedIn, Sony, Verizon, you name it. I like at twenty six years old, I had a standing meeting with the Disney CIO. Right. So I, I like when all my friends and all my family members like looked around, like who's the quote unquote most successful person, you know, they're like Xander at 26. Like he's got it. He drives a BMW, lives in Venice beach. And I had what everybody like told me was success from a young age. Right. You know, great money, the, the good car, the stable living, the, you know, then go, you know, build a family and you know, all the American dream stuff, like white picket fence, that sort of shit. Right. And as I was going down that path, like I didn't feel happy. And like that to me, the, the Dalai Lama says, use your happiness, use your joy as a compass. Right. And I, like, I was successful. I was making great money. And every time I got a new raise or I got a new promotion, it was this, like, this like peak of, of, uh, you know, this dopamine hit, but then it just disappeared. And then it was back to the grind. Right. And so I'd fill, you know, I'd fill that void with, you know, going out to bars on the weekend and partying hard. And I, I would travel all the time. I would fly to Norway to visit a buddy for three days and go to Tokyo because I could. I spent all my money just to like fill that gap. And it wasn't really until I had a mentor of mine, um, you know, just ask me, he said, Xander, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And this is I, my, this is what my entire TEDx is about. I had a mentor ask me, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I told him, I said, honestly, I'd, I'd mentor and help people full-time. I used to be in Air Force ROTC. I was actually going to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. Um, and I loved leading other people. And then I got a DUI my senior year. So I got kicked out of the Air Force. I was going to be a fighter pilot. Like I had my whole dream lined up in front of me. I got kicked out of the Air Force. So I did the next best thing. And I took my degree and I went to the corporate world. Right. And so I told him, I was like, you know, I would, if I could, you know, what I would do if I couldn't fail is I would just mentor people. I love teaching people. I love mentoring people. He's like, well, why don't you go do that? I was like, well, I don't even know what that is. What you mean? Like go be a Tony Robbins or something like that. Like that's, that's never going to happen. And he looked at me and he goes, Xander, just because you're good at something, does that mean you should do it? And he's like, why, why are you still in Cisco? I was like, I'm getting, I'm getting, making great money. I've got this great career path ahead of me. And he's like, but are you happy? And I was like, that kind of sunk in. He's like, just because you're on a path, does that mean you should walk it? And I think so many of us are put on a path. It's not our path, right? We're put on a path by our parents, by society, by media. And we've never really taken the time to really take a look at like, what is our path? Like, what, what, is, what, what would actually bring me joy? What is my purpose and my mission in life? And the truth is, like, if you're not walking your purpose and your mission, it's nobody, other, nobody else's responsibility but yours. 
And my mentor at that, in that conversation, I just remember him going, Xander, do you know the difference between me and you? Cause I was making these excuses about, you know, I'm on this great path at Cisco. And he goes, the difference between you and me is, and he was a, he was a seven figure entrepreneur in the health and wellness space. So he's doing very well traveling the world, you know, having a lot of fun, all the stuff that we were talking about, time, freedom, location, freedom, financial freedom, all that stuff. And he just goes, Xander, the difference between you and me is I had the courage to go after my dream and you're just dreaming one. Mm. I love that. And as like, you know, I'm this cocky, confident 27 year old kid at this point. And that just, he cuts straight through my bullshit. He's like, I'm not, I'm not picking up the crap that you're putting down. I know that inside, you know, you're not aligned with who you truly are. And he just wouldn't take it anymore. And he said, Xander, if there's one lesson I can teach you at my age, it's the one resource you'll never get back is time. And every moment is either on purpose or off purpose. And every moment off purpose is a moment wasted. And I remember having this conversation with him. It was on a Saturday and I think it was fueled by a little bit of tequila. <laughs> and on Sunday, I could not stop thinking about everything he said. Like I can never get back my time. And then on Monday morning, I went into work and I had my, my 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. call with Disney and then my 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. call with the sales team and then my 10 a.m. to 11. And every hour I'm thinking, I'm never going to get that hour back. Like, what did I just accomplish in that hour? Nothing. And then, you know, nine to 10, nothing, not, never going to get that hour back. By the time it reached noon, I'm like, I'm never going to get my morning back. And I called up my manager. I said, Frank, I quit. And that was oh. it. That was, that was the end. It was, uh, it was not premeditated. It was not well thought out as an engineer, right? You know, engineers got to plan everything out. I had such a big awakening that the one resource I could never get back was my time. And that any moment that I was not spending trying to figure out, I didn't know what quote unquote, it was for me. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had this awakening that every moment that I was not spending trying to figure quote unquote it out, I was losing. Like the most important thing for me to do is I needed to figure out what like my path was because I'm just walking down a path right now just to walk down a path. So I need to go find what my path is and then get over there as soon as possible because time's the one resource I could never get back. You know, Xander, what, what you're saying is going to resonate with everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, all the listeners. Um, there are so many people here who are listening who are on a path, but is oh, it yeah. the right path? Is it the correct path? Is it the path they're supposed to be on? And, you know, I have a phrase that I, I live by. It's like, sometimes your dreams are not your destiny, right? And so yeah. this is exactly what you're you're saying. And so how did you then transform into this superstar coach of coaches, <laughs> master, uh, you know, marketer sort of, yeah, you I know, think savant uh, who's helping people all over the country. I don't know if I would say savant, but, but I would say that I, you know, one thing that I would say is I'm courageous, right? I don't, I don't think I'm smarter than most people. I don't think I'm maybe a little bit luckier than some people, but I think I'm just courageous. And I think the truth is I, once I found my path, I never swayed from it. I think that was, you know, maybe I'm just stubborn. Maybe I'm just like, I'm not, there's been moments in my life where when I first quit my job, I had no idea what I was doing. And everybody's like, oh yeah, but Xander, you made a ton of money. You probably just had this pile of cash saved up. So you could, are you kidding me? I'm a fucking millennial. Can I say, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a millennial. I had no money. I had about three months worth of, of uh, living expenses saved up. I'd spent everything else on traveling and buying rounds of tequila shots at the bar for everybody. Right. So let me ask you a question though. How did you know one, what is the right path? How did you discover that? And two, 
What's the courage? Where did the courage come from? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the courage. I think the courage came from number one, like I just talked about, like the realization that uh, like time was my most valuable resource. It was less courage and more force, right? If time is my only resource, I can't get back. Then I don't really have a choice, right? Like if you really accept that, that time is the only thing that you're, you're, you can't get back that someday you're going to get, you're going to die. Like you have to accept this. I don't know if anybody's ever read the book Tuesdays with Maury, but one of my favorite lines in that book, he says, everybody knows they're going to die, but nobody really accepts that they're going <laughs> to die. Because if you accepted that you were going to die someday, and that day might be sooner than you think, you would stop dicking around. Like you would yeah. stop doing stuff that, don't, that doesn't matter. You would stop doing things that are not aligned with you. Because if you truly accept that one day you're going to be on your deathbed and you're going to look back and you're going to go, you're either going to go, man, I really went for it, which I guarantee I'm going to do. I'm going to look back and be like, that was a sweet life. And a lot of people are going to look back and go, I wish I'd done something differently. I don't want that. Right. Yeah. And so that was, go ahead. I have a, a good buddy of mine, uh, Joe Fairless, and he has on, on the back wall, he has a clock that's counting down his days. And so it's, it's a mortality clock, which is really a death clock, but we, we try to euphemism and call it a mortality clock, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what you're saying. It's like, uh, you know, there's a book called the five regrets of the dying. And it, it talks about the, these regrets that people have. And I think what you're saying, let's swing for the fences. Let's die on E die on empty and not yeah. have anything left, like completely used up in, in, in a purpose of, of, of something meaningful in life. Meaningful. Yeah. Ed Milet talks about, you know, when I die and I go meet my maker, I want that, I want that person to, to show me what was, what the, what was meant for my life, the vision of my life. And I want them to show that version of me. And I want to know that person really well. That's what I want. Right. And so that's the first thing is just accepting, accepting that one day you're going to die. Right. That gave me courage because I didn't want to die with regret. And then number two, accepting that what you're doing right now is probably not going to kill you, right? So what I mean by that is most people are afraid. They're afraid to make decisions. Most people, and again, this is what my TED Talk is about. Um, the whole premise of it is majority of people make about 90% of their decisions from a place of fear. It's part of their brain that is meant to keep them alive, the amygdala, meant to keep them alive, right? So as prehistoric man, Fear was a really important part of keeping us alive. You don't, you don't want to go do something different. You, want to, you don't want to do something away from the tribe or away from the group because then you're going to go get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? Well, now, right, if everybody who's listening to this right now, if you quit your job, I actually, I, I promise you, it wouldn't kill you. <laughs> like, it's not going to kill you. But your body physiologically would respond the same way as if you're about to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger right? Your body and your subconscious and your amygdala would think that you're going to die, right? Your heart would start pounding. Your blood would start pumping. Adrenaline goes through the roof. Blood, blood spreads to your arms so that you can fight off the saber-toothed tiger if you need to. You start sweating, like not a normal sweat, like a weird smelling sweat. So you taste bad to the tiger. Your neck stiffens. Your eyes widen so you can find the tiger. You literally think you're going to have to fight a saber-toothed tiger, but you're not. This is just fear. And most people's fear runs their life. The fear of what could happen, what would happen if it goes wrong. We're five times more likely, our brain, our subconscious mind is five times more likely to be programmed by negative experiences than it is by positive ones. So majority of people run their life based on fear. There was a study that was done, on, done at Yale that said that 85% uh, 
85% of our thoughts and worries, first, 90% of our thoughts during a day are negative or worry-based. 85% of those worries never come true. Of the 15% of the worries that do come true, 79% of them are actually not that bad or necessary to help you grow and get better. This means that 97% of all of our worries and negative thoughts and fears are completely baseless and unnecessary. Wow. That is staggering. It's crazy. And this is how most people make their decisions in their life. So my entire TEDx is about if you just stopped making your decisions from a place of fear, if you asked yourself, what would I do if I couldn't fail? What would I do in spite of fear? And you just started to act that way, everything in your life would be better. Everything. Guys, that, that TEDx talk will be in the show notes. I, I think the title is, What Would You Do If You Couldn't Fail uh, by Xander. Yep. Great. That's going to be in there as well. Xander, man, that's that's uh, a huge mindset shift, a paradigm shift and how to think, really. And, and the fact that fear paralyzes us and it's really... Like, you know, the phrase that people like to use, it's, it's instead of it being a counselor, it's a jailer. It yeah. actually constricts where you want to go in life. And, and, and the thing James Clear talks about in Atomic Habit, he goes like, if, if a decision is reversible, make it quickly and move on and course correct along the yeah. way. If, it, if it's irreversible, then obviously take your time and think about it. But look, quitting your job in many cases, you could usually get the same job back or something very similar. Well, I think I think without, yeah, I, I want clari- to clarify yeah. that, right? Because like you mentioned, James Clear says, you know, if it's, if it's reversible, make the decision to move forward. Well, most of us tell ourselves it's irreversible. Ah, there are, there are actually very, very, very few decisions that you can make that are truly irreversible. Like you could probably count them on one hand. They normally (laughs) involve either death or birth, (laughs) right? The rest, all of them are in some way, shape or form reversible, like quitting your job. Like you just mentioned, if it didn't work out, you could go find another one. You could go do something different, but I almost guarantee if you're unhappy where you're at, I've, we've now, we actually tracked this. I've worked with in, in one of our programs in one of our higher end programs, we worked with over 900 people. We've helped over 275 of them quit their jobs. I've never met somebody who quit their job and was upset about the decision afterwards with nearly 300 people. It's never happened. Like, let's just go look at the data. Right. That's all it takes. If you have the willingness to quit, then probably you weren't probably meant to do it long term. If if that's what you're you're already inclined to do. So, yeah, uh, I think it's just it's just it's it's liberation what you're doing. Yeah. So let's 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 get into the uh, the freedoms that you've been able to achieve. You know, one of the things I like to focus on as sort of a a North Star uh, of, of life is to achieve these freedoms that everyone wants. And the top two that the doctors I work with usually want is time and financial. And we'll get into those. Yeah. But some other cool things are sort of this mindset freedom, the, the equanimity, the resilience that you seem to have. And, and where did that come from? I'd like to get into that. And then maybe we'll, let's start with that first. And then we'll, we'll get yeah. into the other ones later. I think, I think for me, that mindset freedom, first, understanding that your beliefs, like I always ask people like, are beliefs truth? And the answer is no. Like objectively, beliefs are not truth. At one point, everybody on the face of the earth believed that the earth was flat. Did that make it any more true? No, right? Like millions and millions of people believed that the earth was flat. That did not make it true. So understanding that beliefs are just stories that we tell ourselves. And then understanding that if we truly want a fulfilling life, it's our responsibility to choose what beliefs serve us. 
That's it. And you know, like if, if there's a lot of doctors out there that are listening to this right now, I work with a lot of really smart people. And the question I always get from smart people is, but Xander, what if you decide to choose a belief that is wrong? I don't care. Seriously, I don't care. I don't care if a truth, a, a belief that I've chosen is objectively right or wrong. I care if it serves me and it serves the people that I'm here to serve. You know, the way I like to phrase that is, look, it's all lies. So might as well choose empowering lies versus disempowering 100%. lies. Right? So I, like I tell that it's all every mythology, belief, every you create the script have, of the mythology you want. Every belief we have is a lie that we tell ourselves. So why not pick the lies that serve you and serve others, make you happy, make others happy. So that's what I'm going to pick. So, so when you talked about, you know, mental freedom, mindset freedom, it's an understanding that our brain, you know, this 95, 95% of our brain is our subconscious mind. And it's a supercomputer that is completely programmable. Most people let it be programmed by the world, by society, by everything else. Right. No, nobody, when you're first like growing up, you're, you're not given a user's manual for your brain. You're not like, Hey, here's how to use your brain. You're given a user's manual for your microwave. (laughs) <laughs> but not your brain, the most powerful tool that you have as a human. You're never taught how to actually use it. So if you can learn how to unprogram and program your brain properly, that's what creates true mental freedom. Because you can find the beliefs that you have that don't serve you, get rid of them, and then replace them with positive beliefs, the beliefs that will actually serve you. And I think that's really what creates mental freedom, mindset freedom, is an understanding that in the end, you actually do have control over how you think, how you behave, all of these things, because that 95% of your brain that's a supercomputer, all you need to do is learn how to program. You need to learn how to code. That's it. Xander, what do you think is the number one abundance block or wealth block that most high achievers have? Um, this isn't just for high achievers. I've actually I've been studying this over the last five years as we've been working with more and more people. The number one thing that gets in the way of success for anybody is... Um, so the way that I put this, let me put it this way. Everybody thinks it's the fear of failure. It's not. It's the fear of being seen failing. It's the fear of being judged, criticized, the emotion of shame. So think about it. Everybody who's listening to this, you, you might think that you're afraid of failure. Or you might know that you have some fears of failure. But actually, if you were allowed to fully experiment in your own little black box and do whatever you needed to and nobody could see, until it came out successful, you'd actually be more than willing to do whatever you needed to in there. <laughs> right. That's right. So, so we've been like, we, every single person that we work with, we've been digging deep on this because it's actually not a fear of failure. It's a fear of being seen failure, which creates an emotion of shame. So Dr. David Hawkins talks about this in his book, uh, transcending the levels of consciousness, the lowest energetic emotion that a human can feel is shame just above death. It's below anger, it's below fear, it's below sadness, it's below depression, it's below all of these things. The very bottom is shame. It's in fact so strong that if you go do any studies on suicide, it's actually the number one cause of suicide, shame, right? So some people actually fear shame more than they fear death. And if you think about it, it makes sense evolutionarily you go back to ancient man, we're in small groups of hundred or 200 people. If you were socially outcast, you'd probably die, right? They're virtually one and the same. So, so social shaming, being criticized, being ostracized, being judged by others is actually the number one cause for preventing people from doing number one, what they want to do, right? Think about, we were just talking about you're put on somebody else's path 
because you don't want your parents to be ashamed, your friends and family to be ashamed, your, your other people that you know, love and trust or respect to judge you, right? So you stay on that path, even though deep down, you know that you fucking hate it because you're afraid of other people judging you when you left. So that's the number one thing is, is realizing that I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are mentally. Every single person is afraid of being judged. It's just that's, the truth. That's, that's a huge insight, guys. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of successful people, but that this, this two millimeter shift, this distinction that Xander just talked about, this is huge. And if you can just at least have awareness of it, that's half the battle. 100%. And then you can start to work on it. Absolutely. So, so that's wealth. That's sort of abundance. We've talked about sort of the mindset. Tell me about how people can just say, hey, look, you know, I want to literally live a life of a, you know, abundant nomad. I want to literally yeah. be able to work from anywhere. <laughs> my own time, my own schedule. A lot of people are in the W2 business. And yeah. at some point they want to be their own person. And, but it's scary, obviously. But of course. What what is some of the, the strategies to where even there are people even who are consultants who potentially could work for anywhere, but what's allowing you and some of the successful people you coach to literally have both the geographic and time freedom? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it just comes back to stop holding yourself back, right? I've never lived anywhere else besides the U.S., um, obviously the first part is establishing some form of remote work, whether you're working for somebody else or you're working for yourself, right? Obviously I love the idea of working for yourself because then you're fully in control of everything. Um, but establishing some form of remote work, starting your own business and really going for it. Right. So I think one of the big things, like you mentioned, is like a lot of people want to do it, but most people just hold themselves back from really going after it, mostly out of fear, fear of being judged, fear of being criticized, especially if you're successful, right? I think more, more people, it's harder if you're successful. Like I was a 27 year old kid making over a quarter of a million dollars a year. That was terrifying for me to like jump out and start from the bottom because everybody, my identity had been built as a successful person. And now I was throwing all that away and everybody was going to judge me. All the eyes were on me. What if I messed up? What if I couldn't do it? What if I failed? What if I had to go back to a nine to five? How like everybody would judge me, right? So again, it just comes back to that fear of failure, fear of being judged and just be open to asking yourself, like, what do you really want? And I think that's probably the most important thing because, you know, if you just ask yourself what you really want and be honest with yourself, right? Like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? What would you do if people didn't judge you? If nobody's eyes were on you, what would you do then? And start you know, to be honest with yourself. I love how you're sort of asking and you're, you're sort of, you know, stimulating thoughts on what's the authentic mission that I'm put on this earth to yeah. do? What's that authentic mission? What am I really meant to do? What's my calling, if you will, versus what's my profession? And, um, and one, one thing that I'll say around that as well is like, you know, a lot of people are like, but what if I don't know if I'll like it there? What if I don't know if I'll do it? Well, I'm, I'm an engineer. So I approach things with a very scientific mindset, right? And so scientific method, I have to go test everything. So if I never go test Costa Rica, I'm not going to know. Right. I can't like scientific method. I can't sit here in the U S and say the U S is the best for me. Cause I've never lived in Costa Rica. So I got to go test it. I have to find out. Yeah. Right. Cause otherwise that, I don't know. And that's where the courage comes back in guys. And yeah. realize that it's not, we think it takes a tremendous amount of courage, but realize as we talked about, most things are reversible. Hell, if he yeah. doesn't like it, he'll come right back. <laughs> I'll come back. <laughs> right. So, but then here's, here's the difference, right? If I stayed in the U S I would always wonder. Yeah. I would wonder what if, 
what if I had done it? If I go to Costa Rica and I come back and I'm like, nah, then I'll know, yeah, Costa Rica just wasn't for me. But now I know there's certainty. So we, guys, we've explored a lot of the different freedoms we talk about here. We've talked about financial, uh, uh, we've talked about time, we talked about geographic freedom, talking about even mindset. Last one left is vitality freedom. And so as we wrap up here, uh, Xander, tell them about what you do or what you coach some of the top high performers to do in terms of vitality, health, human optimization. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a lot. What's the best of the best? This, is, this has been, a, this has been a, a huge passion of mine. I know you're, you're a big biohacking fan as well. You know, I could talk about the importance of meditation. I could talk about the importance of breath work. I'm a huge cold therapy fan. So I jump into a cold plunge every single morning at 38 degrees. Um, I think probably one of the most important things for me, and I think this is, this is not taught in college. I talk a lot about this in my book, Shit You Don't Learn in College, is the understanding of, of our two different operating systems. And I'll explain that in a second, but how they both work together uh, to create a really, you know, a life filled with vitality, energy, uh, focus. So we all have an intellectual operating system and an emotional operating system. Most people don't realize this. Most, we, most people function in the intellectual world and they know we have emotions, but you don't realize how powerful your emotions are in your life, your health, everything. Um, so, you know, if you think about it, every major decision you ever make is based on an emotion. It's not based on logic. You don't logically decide who you fall in love with and marry. That doesn't, that doesn't work, right? You don't, I didn't logically be like Costa Rica fits, you know, all the numbers. It's like, if I were to do that, I'd move to Puerto Rico and pay 4% capital or 4% income tax for the rest of my life. Right. But it like, there's a feeling, something that drove me there. I fell in love with my wife. That's why I married her. Right. So majority of our decisions that we actually make in life are actually emotional based decisions. What brings us joy? What brings us happiness? Or like we we're just talking about what helps us run away from fear and shame and judgment and those sorts of things. So understanding how much emotions actually affect your life. And then um, there's a tool that I actually recommend to every single one of our clients. I call it fear journaling or the emotional dump. This has probably been one of the most powerful things that, that I do. And I've had uh, a good buddy of mine start implementing this with, um, uh, Sharon Shravatsa started implementing this with all of his like Fortune 100 CEO clients. And they've been getting wildly crazy results with it. And basically all it is, is every day understanding that we all have emotions and emotions, you there's only one way to move through an emotion. Move through it. You have to process it. You have to process an emotion for it to move through. There's centuries of encyclopedias of of psychology and psychiatry studies on this that prove you have to move through an emotion. So one of the things that I do, and this goes against all like law of attraction and positive thinking things is like every single morning I'll sit down and 10 minutes, I will write out the most negative shit I can possibly come up with. Every negative thought, every fear, every judgment, every criticism I can come up with about myself, about others, I will write it out and get it out of my head and onto paper. Because essentially, if you think about it, everybody's like, but but Xander, law of attraction. Like if you if you think negative stuff, you're going to bring more of that into your world. Well, remember that I just told everybody 5% of your brain is your conscious mind. 95% of your brain is subconscious. So if you're feeling afraid of something going to happen, if you're afraid something's going to happen and you go, oh, don't be afraid of that. You're turning off the 5%. Where does it go? 
it goes down to the 95% and just marinates. Now the 95% of your brain is just stewing in a big pool of fear and judgment, even though consciously you're not thinking about it, right? And so really what you need to do is you need to feel through these emotions. You need to excavate them from your brain by writing them out. Or I have some clients that aren't writers. They'll just talk into uh, into like their, their phone as a voice recording. You need to get these emotions out in some way, shape, or form. And we've basically found this simple exercise can completely change people's businesses. It can completely change people's lives. 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. And a lot of people are like, Xander, it feels really shitty. It's really tough. I'm like, yeah, it's negative emotions. It's not going to feel fun, but you don't do it. <laughs> you don't do it because the 10 minutes is really fun. You do it because afterwards it's cathartic. You feel free. You feel empty. You feel lighter. And you can actually go function as a normal human being. Like think of the, think of the 10 year old kid that falls and scrapes his knee. And he's like trying to hold back his tears. He's like, (laughs) for like 30 minutes. And you're like, oh my God, just cry, just cry. Well, the reality is every single one of us is actually that 10 year old kid. And when he finally just lets it out for 30 seconds, 30 seconds later, he's laughing, bouncing off the walls, riding his bike again, except most of us at 30, 40, 50, 60, We're sitting there just holding back tears for years, (laughs) just barely making it through life. Get your shit out. You know what? Unless you're a Zen master and you've really figured it out and you've achieved some nirvana, this is a a phenomenal, brilliant tool. I love it. And it's not, and it's just because you get it out there doesn't mean it's true. It's just, hey, this is some mental, you know, glitches, some, some, some some stupidity that I need to just get out, vomit out. And then yeah. you can always challenge those thoughts. Do I really believe those? Or, you know, if there's anything more to it, but a lot the of big, times just I getting it out. Problem, well, the big enough, problem right? is people identify with the emotion. They say, if I'm feeling angry, that makes me an angry person. No, that's not true. You're just feeling angry. Four and a half years ago, my best friend committed suicide. And when he committed suicide, the first thing I felt was heartache. Right. I felt like he was, he was my best friend. He was basically a brother to me. I'd known him since I was six years old, like went to school together, played baseball together. He introduced me to my first girlfriend. I went to the air force. He went to, to the Marines had PTSD, suffered from PTSD for years until he took his own life. Now, when he committed suicide, I was heartbroken. And then here I was a coach who had helped people with PTSD and suicidal tendencies and depression. And I couldn't help AJ. So now I felt guilty that I couldn't help him. And then because I was feeling guilty, I was feeling resentful of him for making me feel guilty and for taking his life and taking himself away from us. And then I was feeling ashamed that here I was supposed to be a positive person and everybody was going to see me feeling negative. Now, here's the deal. I could have identified with all of those emotions, but the reality is I just lost my best friend. Emotions, it's like a different language right? You can't understand this. I just needed to feel through them. So every single day I wrote in that journal a lot longer than 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes in the morning, then another 30 minutes in the evening. But every day I would get it all out. And then I could continue to function as a normal human being because I didn't identify with the emotion. I realized that emotions are emotion, emote, e in Latin means to eject, mote means to move through. Emotions were meant to move through us. And if we don't let them move through us, they stay in us. And that's what creates it as a reality. Wow. That's awesome, man. It's a uh, very powerful. And I, I'm sure people can use this in all aspects of their life. So this is a universal tool. I'd put this in our toolbox at the top guys. So 
Man, Xander, uh, time has flown. I've taken like a full page and a half of notes. This is ridiculous, the kind of uh, value you've provided. So thank you so much. Where can people, first of all, get to know about you, potentially work with you, um, you know, hear and get more information from you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're just interested in, in learning more about some of the stuff we talked about here, you can get the book, Shit You Don't Learn in College on Amazon, number one bestseller. Uh, you can also check out our podcast, Shit You Don't Learn in College. If you're a coach and you're interested in getting your business up and running, uh, just go to xanderfryer.com, www.zanderfryer.com and check us out. We're happy to help you get going. Awesome. Thanks, Xander. And guys in the Limitless Tribe, thank you again for listening in. Keep uh, uh, tuning in to our, our upcoming episodes. Keep giving us the reviews. And until next time, guys, stay phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.